you'll be aware that we've been looking at prayer this term, um, and we've looked at some really beautiful passages so far. Um, Richard's looked at some psalms with us, um, John looked at the Lord's Prayer, we had a really encouraging passage um, in Ephesians last week, and then Richard uh, gave me a really daunting passage in Genesis to look at, one of those passages that I've always thought, this is really hard to understand. So, um, so I've been battling it with it um, and grappling with it over the last few weeks. Um, it's the life of the story, it's part of the story of Jacob, um, son of Isaac. And Debbie in her prayers mentioned um, about conflict. And some families do just seem to have a lot of conflict in their lives, real burdens of conflict. Um, and for Jacob and his brother Esau, they bore a huge burden. They were children of parents who obviously favoured one child dramatically over the other. They were children whose lives were dominated by conflict and by pain. And on top of all that, they were the family who God had chosen for them to be a blessing to the world around them. Um, and they didn't seem to be doing a very good job. So in the part of the story that Debbie's going to read for us today, uh, we, see that, uh, we see Jacob. He's been on the run for years. He's been on the run from his family, on the run from his brother. His brother had been his enemy for decades. Jacob was a man who was always on the lookout for a new start. But in today's part of the story, God has told Jacob to stop running, to go home, to make peace with his brother Esau. And God had promised to be with him as he faced and dealt with some of those conflicts in the past. So in the part of the story that Debbie's going to read for us, Jacob has just sent a message to his brother Esau, who has responded, and he set out to meet him but he set out with 400 men, which Jacob takes as a rather hostile uh, meaning. So now Jacob is fearful for his life. And we're going to hear Jacob pleading with God for his life and then sending wave after wave of really lavish gift to his brother. The monumental gift may be because of the guilt that he felt because he'd been pretty awful to Esau, or maybe it was to do with his fear. So Jacob sends all these gifts on, and then he sends his wives and his children and his personal possessions all into the clutches of his enemy, and he stays back at camp. Hardly the actions of a brave man. Maybe he's paralyzed with fear. Maybe he's paralyzed with guilt. And then when he remains in camp, he has this mysterious uh, encounter with a visitor who comes and wrestles with him throughout the night until dawn when he sets off to meet his brother. So Debbie, if you can come read us the passage, that would be great. So just so you can prepare, the passage is Genesis 32, verse 3. So Genesis... 32, verse 3, can be found on page 35 of the Church Bibles. Jacob sent messengers ahead of him to his brother Esau in the land of Seir, the country of Edom. He instructed them, This is what you are to say to my master Esau. Your servant Jacob says, I have been staying with Laban and have remained there till now. I have cattle and donkeys, sheep and goats, men servants and maidservants. 
Now I'm sending this message to my Lord that I may find that I may find favor in your eyes. When the messengers returned to Jacob, they said, "We went to your brother Esau, and now he is coming to meet you and 400 men with him." In great fear and distress, Jacob divided the people who were with him into two groups, and the flocks and herds and camels as well. He thought, "If Esau comes and attacks one group, the group that is left may escape. Then Jacob prayed, O God, my father Abraham, God of my father Isaac, O Lord, who said to me, go back to your country and your relatives and I will make you prosper. I am unworthy of all the kindness and faithfulness you have shown your servant. I had only my staff when I cro crossed this Jordan, but now I have become two groups. Save me, I pray, from the hands of my brother Esau, for I am afraid he will come and attack me, and also the mothers with their children. But you have said, I will surely make you prosper, and will make your descendants like the sand of the sea, which cannot be counted. He spent the night there, and from what he had with, sorry, he spent the night there, and from what he had with him, he selected a gift for his brother Esau. 200 female goats and 20 male goats, 200 ewes and 20 rams, 30 female camels with their young, 40 cows and 10 bulls, and 20 female donkeys and 10 male donkeys. He put them in the care of his servants, each herd by itself, and said to the servants, go ahead of me and keep some space between the herds. He instructed the one in the lead, when my brother Esau meets you and asks, to whom do you belong? And where are you going? And who owns all these animals in front of you? Then you are to say, they belong to your servant Jacob. They are a gift to my Lord Esau, and he is coming behind us. He also instructed the second and third and all the others who followed the herds. You are to say the same thing to Esau when you meet him. And be sure to say, your servant Jacob is coming behind us. For he thought, I will pacify him with these gifts I am sending on ahead. Later, when I see him, perhaps he will receive me. So Jacob's gifts went on ahead, but he himself spent the night in the camp. That night, Jacob got up and took his two wives, his two maidservants and his eleven sons and crossed the ford of the Jabbok. After he had sent them across the stream, he sent over all his possessions. So Jacob was alone, and a man wrestled with him till daybreak. When the man saw that he could not overpower him, he touched the socket of Jacob's hip so that his hip was wrenched as he wrestled with the man. Then at daybreak, the man said, let me go for it is daybreak. But Jacob replied, I will not let you go unless you bless me. The man asked him, what is your name? Jacob, he answered. Then the man said, your name will no longer be Jacob, but Israel because you have struggled with God and with men and have overcome. Jacob said, please tell me your name. But he replied, why do you ask my name? And then he blessed him there. So Jacob called the place Peniel. It is because I saw God face to face and yet my life was spared. The sun rose above him as he passed Peniel and he was limping because of his hip. Therefore, to this day, the Israelites do not eat the tendon attached to the socket of the hip, 
because the socket of Jacob's hip was touched near the tendon. Jacob looked up, and there was Esau coming with his 400 men. So he divided the children among Leah, Rachel, and the two maidservants. He put the maidservants and their children in front, Leah and her children next, and Rachel and Joseph in the rear. He himself went on ahead and bowed down to the ground seven times as he approached his brother. But Esau ran to meet Jacob and embraced him. He threw his arms around his neck and kissed him, and they wept. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. When you read the whole of Jacob's story, it really does make you wonder why God chose someone like him and didn't choose an easy human being to have a relationship with. Not only has Jacob had all this conflict in his life with other humans, but he has had a really interesting relationship with God as well. Jacob has spent his life bargaining with God. Essentially, I'll do this for you, God, if you do this for me. Throughout Jacob's life, he has literally been wrestling with other people and wrestling with God. And today we're going to look at that mysterious encounter in uh, the camp, that wrestling match. Now, play wrestling. We see it a lot in the animal world, don't we? Um, It's also something that uh, we may have done or may have experienced with our own parents, perhaps with our own children. There's a lot written about the positive aspects of play wrestling. It's intimacy between a parent and child. It's positive physical contact, physical exercise. There's real bonding through that play. You invite your child into your own physical world. You help your child learn to know where their bodies are but also when to stop and to learn to control their impulses, the effects of their own strength, uh, the effects of yours, but also how that child must learn to control it. And a parent can really easily overpower their children because obviously they're so much stronger. And when you look at this story here, this heavenly being who came and met with Jacob, what really strikes me that... Jacob could easily have been overpowered, and yet this person who comes to wrestle with Jacob doesn't. And there's something in this encounter that reminds me of that parent-child wrestling match, and I want us to hold on to that as we explore this passage today. And prayer is sometimes described as us wrestling with God, and this story is often used as an example. But if you look closely at this passage in verse 24, it doesn't look like it was Jacob who picked this fight. It says that Jacob remained alone in camp and someone came to him. It seems that Jacob has been pursued, not the other way around. And at the beginning, it's really not very clear who Jacob is fighting. Is it a person? Is it a figment of his imagination? Is it an angel? Or is it God himself? And when I did a bit of an internet search for some pictures of this, I came up with some interesting ones. Um, There was this very cute one of a Lego figure, um, which I thought, that's that's interesting. Um, And then there was also this next one, which I quite like because it just leaves you a little bit wondering. That other figure is sort of not drawn in completely, and it makes you wonder, who is it? But by dawn... This passage tells us that Jacob was certain that he had met with God. And in verse 30, he names the place Peniel, which means 
face of God. He realized he's met with God and he's lived to tell the story. It's a really fascinating encounter and I don't know what you make of it. And the reason I asked Debbie to read the great long passage either side was because the context of the passage is really important to help us understand that wrestling match. We read that Jacob was expecting one meeting. He was expecting to meet with Esau. But I presume he wasn't expecting this wrestling match. But I think as you read the two, that, that whole passage together, it seems that those meetings are connected. And they're also connected with Jacob's prayer of, to God in verse 9. When Jacob prays to protect him from Esau, the prayer he, when he reminded God of the promises of God's goodness, of God's steadfast love to him and his faithfulness. And I think on the way to meet his brother, Jacob first has to meet with God. Now, I don't know about you, I haven't had an encounter quite like this with God, and I'm not sure how many of us would cope with um, a wrestling match like this all the way through the night. I think I would give in or give up very quickly. But Jacob doesn't. He fights on and on for hours. And then Jacob, who is a cheater and a deceiver, it's what his name means, it's what he's been all his life, he then finds himself cheated by his assailant who dislocates his hip and then tries to leave. And in verse 26, we then see Jacob's bold statement, I will not let you go until you bless me. And it's a pretty bold ask. And I wonder what Jacob was asking for. When you read Jacob's life, he wasn't a man who was accustomed to giving blessing. He was a man who was accustomed to taking what wasn't his, his birthright. Was he after more land? Was he wanting more children, more security? Did he want a promise that would all be well with Esau? But in verse 28, what we see is that Jacob gets none of these things. We read he gets a new name and a new identity. But Jacob doesn't seem very content with this. So in verse 29, he wants to know who he is fighting. Who is the, what's the identity of his assailant? But God wasn't, going to ask, God wasn't going to answer all his questions that night and give in to all his requests. But he still does go on to bless him. And as Jacob is blessed, his eyes are opened and he realizes that he's met with God and he leaves changed. And this is one of the main points I want us to think about today. When we wrestle with God, change happens. We're formed or transformed. And for Jacob, the first change was his new name, which wiped out his old name, which meant deceiver. He was no longer to live with that name. He'd been renamed Israel. This was a name to live up to. Israel means God fights. Jacob had been given a new name and a new identity. He was going to be a living parable. He was going to be a walking, limping example of the fact that God fights for us and fights with us. And this was the second change. Jacob was left with a physical limp, perhaps a painful limp. And that limping became the lasting proof of the reality of the struggle of that night. Jacob emerged from that struggle with a lasting effect. 
Walking with God was literally never going to be the same again for Jacob. And it then meant that day when he had the meeting that he was expecting, the meeting with his brother, there was another change. He, he met his brother as a changed man. He was changed with a new name, a new identity, a new destiny, and physically changed with his new limp. And that permanent encounter, the reminder of his encounter with God. And the meeting with his brother, though, perhaps we see a changed attitude. And the encounter with God seems to lead to reconciliation with his brother. So change. We change when God meets with us. But the second thing I want us to think about is this. What kind of God allows himself to be wrestled with in this way? And it's the same God who comes to us in the incarnation in the flesh, the person of Jesus Christ. It's the God who doesn't just wrestle with us, but he suffers and he dies for us. This is the sort of God who is prepared to let us wrestle with him. He's the one who comes down to meet with us, who moves in with us, who doesn't just wait for us to respond, but he seeks us out and he struggles with us. He seeks to help us change but he remains the same. And as we wrestle and as we struggle with God, we change, but God remains God. And prayer, so often, this is struggle. So often I struggle with prayer. I can often feel like it's a wrestling match, although I often find myself avoiding God as much as I can. God drawing me in and me running away. My excuses. I'm too busy. Perhaps I just don't want to be challenged too much. Perhaps I don't want God that close. But I feel God pursuing me, chasing me, wanting me to fight back, to wrestle with him and not to give up. And in this story, God meets Jacob in the reality of a troubled human life. With its conflicts and its struggles, God comes to pursue Jacob just like he pursues us. Now, I don't know how many of you are oldest siblings. Um, I was, um, and I had a very placid younger brother. Um, and I used to prod him and poke him just to get a response when he was younger. And I'm sure many of you weren't like that. But I would just want to get a response from him, just try and wind him up. But God's reasons for prodding us or poking us are not like that. They're positive reasons. And apart from the fact that God wants us to be changed and to be transformed, I think there's other reasons that God chooses and pursues us like this. Firstly, God wants us to interact with him. He doesn't want us to interact with us to wind us up, but to make us, to shape us, to teach us, just like that parent playing that wrestling match with their child. He doesn't want us to give up. He challenges us to, direct, to relate directly to him, eyeball to eyeball, face to face, hand to hand. You can't get closer than a wrestling match between a parent and a child. And often in our lives, when we look back at our struggles and we wrestle, we realize that it's God who's been dealing with us all along. So God wants us to interact with him. But secondly, I think God doesn't always give us the answers to the questions we ask and doesn't always give us what we demand from him. 
God isn't like a great big heavenly cash machine dispensing what we've asked for. And as parents, if you're a parent, you know that that would be a disastrous way to interact with your children. But like a perfect parent, God often withholds, encourages, encourages us to wrestle with life, encourages us to wrestle with him. God's blessings are always relational, but they're definitely not always instant and not always easy. So God doesn't always give in and give us the answer to the questions we ask. But then thirdly, I think God loves to bless us despite who we are and despite what we ask. And also how little we understand. God can cope with our questions. He can cope with our demands and he doesn't love us any less for that. And Jacob's questions and demands reminds me of the disciples James and John and their discussion with Jesus when they demand to be given thrones in his kingdom. And Jesus really gently responds and he talks about cups of suffering, of baptism and a cross. The disciples want glory and blessing just like Jacob, but they don't understand God's ways. And Jesus reminds them that his way is the way of the cross and it's a way of struggle a way of power and weakness. God's ways are different to our ways and his blessings are different to what we expect. And 1 Corinthians 1 reminds us of this. It says, God chooses the foolish things of the world to shame the wise, the weak things of the world to shame the strong, the lowly things of this world and the despised things so that no one may boast before him. So God still loves to bless us despite who we are and what we ask. And then fourthly, I think God challenges us that if we love him, we're to love others. And 1 John 4 says, we love because he first loved us. Whoever claims to love God yet hates his brother is a liar. For whoever does not love their brother and sister whom they have seen cannot love God whom they have seen. Love of God and others belongs together. The spiritual and the human are interrelated. One affects the other. They're not meant to stand apart. And encounters like we read here with God are then meant to, um, to lead to acts of reconciliation with others. When we meet with God in prayer and worship, the effects of this are meant to play out in our lives through the week, through just through that day, through the week as well. When we're changed by God, God uses this change to bless the world around us. So as the church, we have become God's people. We are Jacob. We are Israel. And this means that God struggles with us like he struggled with Jacob that night, persevering, not giving up on us. And like Jacob, he may not answer all our questions, but he wrestles with us, not to destroy us, but to bless us and use us as a blessing to others. And in the struggle, God makes us the people that he wants us to be. He transforms us and he takes difficult people like Jacob, like me, like you, and he makes a wild, extravagant commitment to us to be in relationship with us, to transform us to be the people he wants us to be. And I don't know what you think about Jacob, Is he someone you're drawn to, or is he someone who repels you? Jacob is feisty. He doubts. He's difficult. He questions. He bargains with God. 
but perhaps he's actually just very human, very normal. And when I read the story of Jacob, I actually find it quite reassuring. I find it reassuring that God loves someone like Jacob and therefore can love somebody like me. And it makes me realize that in my feistiness, God won't give up on me. Sometimes he'll come and he'll wrestle with me and he'll keep on and on, even when I close my eyes and I turn my back on him and I pretend that I haven't heard. And I'm so grateful because I think I'd have missed out so much in life if I had ignored God's ways for me. And so today I hope that this passage will speak to some of you who are a bit feisty, who wrestle with God, who perhaps turn your backs a little bit and pretend sometimes that you haven't heard. Because this passage tells us that after the wrestling, there is blessing. That God doesn't fight with us to show us who's boss. He fights with us to realize, help us realize how much he loves us and how much he fights with us. See, when God gets down to wrestle on the floor with us, or to walk in our world and die on the cross, it shows the lengths that God will go to to win us back. And it's God's way of showing us what sort of God he is. He's the God who comes and invites us into his world. He invites us into his life. And like Jacob, when we allow God to wrestle with us, walking with him will never be the same again. We may not limp physically, but we'll carry the marks of the cross, the marks of people who live with God, who live with the God who suffers and who wrestles with humanity. We're marked with him as followers of Christ with a new identity as his people. Now the story of Jacob is not quite clear. Did he allow God to change him, to renew him, to create something beautiful in him? Does God succeed in Jacob? And if you read on, it's really not that clear, but the story should make, our, make us ask our own questions because we have to choose our own ending. We have to choose the outcome in our lives. Do we let God come and wrestle with us? Do we let him come and change us and transform us as we wrestle with him? And during this term of prayer, we've been having a bit of a challenge at the end of some of our, some of our talks. And this week, I'd really like to challenge you to pray the Psalms this week, to pick a Psalm and to pray it. The Psalms are full of prayers of people like Jacob, people who struggle, who are running away from God, people who are fighting with God, who are arguing with him and bargaining with him. You'll find people in the Psalms who are really normal, people we can relate to, people who are living with pain and struggle, but who are also living with joy and hope. And if you're struggling to know what to pray, then just picking a psalm and using that as a prayer can be really helpful and can be really powerful too. I don't know who or what you're wrestling with this morning. Maybe it's something that you know that God has been challenging with you with and speaking to you about for a while. Perhaps like Jacob, it's a relationship that needs healing. A family member, a friend or a neighbor. Perhaps it's your relationship with God himself. Maybe like Jacob, there's some healing from your past, some pain or conflict, and God longs to bring healing into it. 
And I just want you to be reassured that in that wrestling, your Father in heaven is intimately close to you. And I want to challenge you to look God in the eye today and ask him to transform, to change that situation and to bring his blessing. Father God, thank you that you pursue us even when we don't always want to be pursued. Thank you that you bless us even when we ask for the wrong things or we don't understand. Father, thank you that you love to change us, to transform us, to be the people that you want us to be. And I want to pray, come Holy Spirit. I pray that you would speak to us now in our wrestling and in our doubts. Help us to look you in the eye and to seek that blessing. To seek that transformation. Thank you that you love us extravagantly. Thank you that you're prepared to come down into our world and meet with us and walk with us. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.